Episode 3. I'm Kirsty Rice and together with Nikki Moffat, we're the two fat expats. We've been expats for over 20 years, I guess you'd call us serial expats, and we have over 12 countries between us. And we've had babies all over the place and jobs in some really weird places and navigated relationships and family drama along the way. Now, each week on the podcast, we promise to give you the lowdown on expat life. We answer an anonymous question by tracking down the experts and we discuss our favourite finds, our biggest stuff-ups, and we get the best tips for packing it all in. Okay, let's go. Let's start it off. Nikki Moffat, how are you? Uh, I, I'm going to say surviving is the term that we're using this week, Kirstie Rice. We're just, we're just surviving. There's lots of balls in the air and the term the circus has never been more uh, accurate. So I know. Yeah. You know that phrase, there was always those phrase, you know, when things get stressed, think um, not my circus, not my monkeys or something, not my monkeys, not my circus. <laughs> and I used to think, but usually it is my monkeys and they are my circus. A hundred percent. Yes, we're we're rounding down. So this week, what we've got is uh, my son is studying for his mock exams, which start on Monday, where he will have two German papers, and on Sunday he turns eighteen. Oh. Uh, so he's not looking forward to that. One, it's a pandemic birthday. Two, you know you can't do anything because it's COVID, and three. You know, when you're 18, you're meant to be an adult and make all your own life decisions, but everyone's still going to be making them for him. <laughs> I've tried to explain about the 18 thing, but anyway. <laughs> How about you? What's going on with you? Yes, I also have an 18-year-old, and I have heard that phrase this evening. Uh, it was uttered, why are you so interested? It's not your life, it's my life. <laughs> Because the question was from her father and the, you know, the the really intimate question he was asking is, when's the first day of university? <laughs> Why are you so interested? Why are you so interested? Anyway. That's fantastic. Uni is coming soon and I'm sure it will be, it'll be good for all of us. And apparently a surprise start date. <laughs> Who knows, one day we'll just wake up and she won't be here. <laughs> Okay, so Nikki, one of the things that hasn't happened to you this week or me is we weren't zucked. Have you heard this about being zucked? <laughs> I have heard it and I'm I'm a volunteer for an organisation that has been zucked oh. and not based in Australia and there's lots of drama, let me tell you. <laughs> wow. So in Australia at the moment you've been zucked if your web uh, well, if your Facebook page uh, has been blacked out uh, by Mr. Zuckerberg. Um, and, Nikki, I don't think you and I need to have this conversation because if people want to know about what's happening in Australia with Facebook and Google, there are plenty of places they can go to find out. Strangely, not on Facebook, but <laughs> they can find out. And I would highly recommend going to, if you have access to a VPN, going to the ABC, uh, which is Australia's public um, television and radio news network, and um, go and look for a show called Q&A where there is a panel uh, of of different thoughts uh, all talking about it. I thought that was a great show. On th It's now on Thursday nights. So it's just been on the last couple of days. Um, yes. Well, I'm going to talk briefly talk about that in my three favourite oh, things. Oh, so good. We'll, we'll cover that a little bit more then. Nikki, this week, instead of an anonymous question, I thought we'd do something a little bit different, is you and I both are very friendly with um, a long-term fatterati, Kelly Nash. And Kelly um, has been in Singapore for, would it be nearly 10 years? It must be. I, I want to say it's 10 years, yeah, because yeah. I feel it's since I've been in South Africa, so it's, it's yeah. over nine. So, Nikki, you and I have talked a lot about you know, we met online through blogs and writing and Twitter and, you know, those sorts of back in the days mm -hmm. when Twitter was a really lovely place to hang out and have 
fun conversations and <laughs> you we're all going back there now <laughs> we sure are and kelly was there and then kelly was there as and was not an expat but then kelly became an expat so she started to ask more questions and things got closer and things evolved when we had our first fat expats event in singapore kelly helped out tremendously and you know really got it all happening kelly I think you and I have been watching Kelly closely because we've known, we've watched when Kelly went to Singapore, she had an eight-year-old daughter um, and another younger daughter as well who must have, I guess, been, I'm thinking she must have been about four or five. But Kelly's eight-year-old daughter has now finished year 12 and is on her way to university. Uh, So I wanted to talk to Kelly because she is now in hotel quarantine in Melbourne And I wanted to know all about sort of what was that process like and sort of how did she feel about Australia at the moment and, you know, how it all came to be. Is she one of those people that had a flight cancelled, you know, 10 times in a row? Like we talked about sort of the stress of having a child in year 12 and what's sort of been on her mind, Um, which I guess, Nikki, you can identify with because you have a child in year 12. Mm. (laughs) I do. And I I cannot imagine being Kelly and thinking, right, so I've got a child in year 12 who wants to go to university in Australia next year. Like that to me, like I just took that off the table with my child and I said, we're just going to do a gap year no matter what happens. We'll do a gap year, whether it's in Australia, whether it's with us, whether it's somewhere else, just to take the university question off the table because of all the stress yes. the situation which we may have done anyway with him but in this situation I cannot imagine like right now we're trying to get through mock exams and and then keep going and I yeah. cannot imagine the the thought process that you're doing trying to support your child through just getting through the exams and then thinking ahead to not even worrying about their results as much as thinking well how am I going to get into the country where they want to study like how's that going to work am I going to go with them am I going to not are they going to go by themselves I mean I've seen lots of boarding school kids go back by themselves to Australia really difficult decisions that parents have had to make on that so yeah and, and I have got a friend here whose daughter started um college in the states this year and she made the decision they flew together she's been twice well, anyone else would say that is crazy, you know, flying to the US at this time from Europe and back. She's taking her child to university, which is a yeah. once in a lifetime thing. And it's a it's something that your parents usually do. They When you travel to go somewhere, my mother took me to university the first time when I went, which was a seven hour drive from where I lived, which is nothing like being in another country. But yeah, I cannot imagine. Yes. I know. And you know, Nikki, we see people on the page all the time without fail. There will be someone who will pop up who will say, oh, I think it's time to let go of those apron (laughs) strings. Or um, she's 18. You know, I flew around the world when I was 18 as a backpacker. And I think maybe people forget that if you have been an expat child, it's very different from then just choosing to fly around the world as a backpacker. I think any expat child could probably fly around the world as a backpacker. What they might not be able to do, though, is return to their home country of where they have a passport, where they don't have a tax file number, they don't have ambulance cover, they don't have a bank account, they don't, they're not in the Medicare system, they are not in any of these huge, like it's a huge wheel of action that has to go in. And I know, I mean, you don't know what you don't know until you don't know that mm-hmm. you don't know it. In that my children didn't know things and I would have sworn they did. They didn't know how to get a bus ticket um what a news agency was which is so weird but it's something and when I go to a country I'm like do they have news agencies here it's almost an Australian thing news agencies I haven't really been up to find the equivalent in many other countries and do you know where you get the bus ticket no at the news agency (laughs) (laughs) I my friend was saying she's done google documents for her children so it's like a shared situation so she loads Ah. up information on there this is what you need this is your number this is this this is that this is this and then she's got a whole section on medical if you're if you feel sick 
This is this is when you should think yes. about going to the doctor. If you if you just have yeah. a stuffy nose and whatever, the you should go to the pharmacy and buy these over the counter drugs. You know, and then after X days, yes. if you don't feel better, do this. I was like, wow, you've really thought about that. I was like, can you <laughs> copy that over to me? <laughs> but, but you know, like there's so many things to think about when. And yes, you can do it yourself, and yes, you can ask friends to help and all that kind of stuff. But we. Expat children are sometimes super um, advanced in some areas of their skills and, and knowledge and life skills, but of uh, but sometimes much less so in other areas. It really depends where they've come from and what exposure yes. they've been able to have. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, now, Kelly and I talked about the fact that she didn't need to get approval to leave Australia to go back to Singapore, but she did need to get approval from Singapore to get back in. Her and her husband had to have that whole conversation of, well, what if she did get stuck in Melbourne? Because she has another daughter who's there in Singapore with her husband. Yeah, they've had to have this conversation about okay we'll see you later and let's just hope I get back in and you're waving goodbye to your other child you know with that feeling of yeah I'm pretty sure that I'll be back in three weeks but really I mean Melbourne had another lockdown only a week ago and of course the Australian media and the government uh, now labels us as international travellers, not as returning mm, Australians. Returning Australians. Anyway, I began by asking Kelly because I was really interested. I mean, we've all seen the Facebook pages that you can join Australians in quarantine or expats coming home or all the rest of them. But I really wanted to know, so what 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 was it like? What was her experience of quarantine like? And uh, we'll have a listen. Okay, so we landed um, and I was really anxious at that point because you don't know where you're staying. Mm. And I was expecting the process to be stressful, very stern and um, scary. Yes. But anyway, we landed. Uh, someone entered the plane and did a government speech that, you know, you're, you're welcome to Australia or been detained. <laughs> Um, I don't know if it's the same speech they give asylum seekers, but it felt like that sort of speech. Um, And we got off the plane as we normally would. There's only 30 of us, so, you know, you didn't really have to social distance because, you know, there's only 30 people on a massive plane. So you you exit and you go to a station where you hand sanitise. Mm-hmm. And then they hand you a fresh mask like this. <laughs> you take oh. the mask and put it on. Um, and then you go, I think it was a health check next. Do you have any symptoms? Where have you come from? Do you have a nebulizer? Because that had been what had mm-hmm. happened the day before in a quarantine hotel. And just for um, those that don't know, someone had used a nebulizer and they think that the droplets from the nebulizer had sort of floated their way out into the corridor and infected corridor a and across the hall and yeah yeah but everyone in that process is friendly they're very much australians you know mm. they've got all ppe on but welcome yeah you know welcome home and then there was another station there was multiple stations all asking the same sort of questions i guess yeah. just you know looking to make sure you're well i think we got our temperature taken uh and then we walked through to passport control and that was all fine that was all normal um again ppe perspex um you sort of now put your passport through a little slot on the side from there we went down you know through duty free to luggage but there's nothing duty free opened it's all and everything's got a barricade so you walk you know, you're very much tunnelled where you have to go. Yeah. We got our luggage and that was all. There's heaps of people to help you take the luggage off, all in PPE, all standing around chatting. And then you go into another bit where they do the paperwork and they fill out your detention notice. Um, And that is where you find out the hotel that you've got. So 
And that's when that you won my... the lotto. Yes. <laughs> we won the lottery because we beat the Etihad flight. They were meant to get the Pan Pacific and we were meant to get another hotel. Ah. But because we landed first, we got the Pan Pacific. So I actually did do a dance. <laughs> <laughs> and then I felt fine. Once I knew I had, I was a lot of my anxiety well, the first source of anxiety was my kids saying goodbye to each other, and you've been through that, so you know what yeah. that's yeah. like. That's awful. Horrific. Yeah. And then my other source of anxiety was not knowing where I'm going to live for the next two weeks. That's never happened mm-hmm. in my life before, mm-hmm. um, and I found that really stressful. Maybe I'd spent too much time on Facebook groups. Uh, so first of all, I think we need to apologise to all those listening who were on the Etihad flight <laughs> that got in a bit late and missed it. We don't know. They might have had a nice hotel too, just not the right one, just not the right nice one. I, I, um, I thought that was an interesting point about the Facebook groups, about the anxiety had come from hearing the horror stories. You know, that's. I think that's sometimes when too much information can sometimes, you know, be harder yeah you know if you've seen the crappy photos and the crappy food and the terribleness and you've heard the conversation I think there's two kinds of people right there's the kind of people that want to know everything like they want to know every possible scenario that could happen so they're prepared in their mind for the worst scenario and then there's a type of people that just la 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 walk in and then they can deal with it when they get there yes but I, I I don't know I I find those groups interesting and and helpful and supportive in the most part but obviously there are people who at the end of their tether who just and you know the the bad stories are real so they're there to be shared you know it it is important that people know that these things can happen and also in a way to help people so to to say okay if this happens to you you can maybe do this um yeah so you know there's groups for everything Kirsty. there's groups for kids of parents going to uni in other countries i've just found recently joined a couple of those so to, to do all the things that you've talked about getting your tax file number and your medicare set up and things like that and then how what to do if, if these things sort of happen so look we we love facebook groups uh as such they still exist but um, yeah, that there's a good side and a bad side to them, I guess. I was interested when you come in, you know, on Kelly's conversation about someone getting on the plane and saying you are now being detained and then getting the information about being a detainee. Yeah. And I was kind of interested of, well, does that really suck out the excitement of arriving back in Australia? You know, like when we arrive back in Australia, Nikki, I know particularly coming from Qatar because it's such a different air that you breathe and it just feels completely different and I my whole thing is I walk out of the airport and I take this huge big you know of breath of air where it's like oh you know back on Australia there are times I've arrived back in Australia where I've wanted to just kiss the tarmac because it's felt so good to be back from different places that I've been and lived and or I've been busting to come home and I was interested of what is that is there still that feeling of that first breath of Aussie air there wasn't the euphoria that I normally get. Yes. Um, it was like we're home but we're not home. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it was a it was a you were home because the people working there are clearly Australian, you know, and I'm sure every country has that. You know your people. Yeah. You know, the way they speak, you know, yeah, you know, the way the way they're chatting to each other and they're having a laugh. Yeah. Um but I certainly, the brief time I was outside, which was between <laughs> the airport and the bus and then the bus at the hotel, <laughs> and I had a mask on, I didn't get to take that long full of No. Yeah. So you get to the hotel and how many days ago was this now? Which day are you on? It was last Wednesday night at about midnight, yeah. So, so seven so days. So seven, eight days, eight days Okay. Ago. And what's happening at the hotel when you get there? Uh, it's full of people in PPE. Um, there's the police. There's the army. You know, every, everyone's there. Um, the you're taken army. off. Yeah, there's some of the federal. Yeah, the army and the federal police. 
there's no guns or anything. There's but, people in army fitting, <laughs> so I presume that they're, the army. they're letting you know they mean business. <laughs> Maybe. I don't yeah. know. So the bus pulls up at the hotel and a lady gets on again and reads us what's going to happen. It's a two A4 pages of typed information. Yes. <laughs> no one's listening. Some people have been in travel for 60 hours, so no one's listening. But, yeah. you know, you have to say it. Yeah. And then group by group we get our luggage and we go into the hotel. And this bit was quite quick. You, you go in and you, you hand over your passport. We don't hand it over. They put it under perspex or you hold it up. They're not touching yeah. that. <laughs> There's no way they're touching your passport. You're just reminding me of, you know, when you played Chasey at primary school and, you know, tag you're it. It's sort of like you had the goobies. You've got girl germs. Yeah, you've got yeah. the germs. Yeah, you're it. You were it, it constantly. Like it was a bit like that. So at the hotel... You know, there's all perspex around the, the reception desk. You know, everyone's yeah. behind perspex. And they give you your um, room allocation. And I did the, could we have interconnecting rooms? I have to work. My daughter has to study. They went, yeah. no, no, we're full. And the people next to us had a uh, toddler. She was about 35 weeks pregnant. He has to work US hours. I'm like, oh, if there's two rooms, they should probably have yeah. them. <laughs> did they get them? Um, no, we don't know what happened after we left, but they weren't happy. So right. Yeah. Just left. And then you go to the lift area and the man there says, what floor? He goes in and presses the buttons, comes out. He goes, okay, you can go in. Do not touch the buttons. Yeah. Do not touch the handrails. <laughs> don't touch anything. You'll get to your floor and someone will direct you to your room. Um. So we get to our floor, come out, and they're like, you know, up that way. And we're thinking of the people the with the in. toddler. Have you ever tried to tell a toddler, <laughs> do not touch the buttons? <laughs> I know. You get to your door. I guess it's normally you put the key in. And then what is that feeling when it closes behind you? No, I didn't I didn't feel that bad. Yeah. Um, we sort of went in and was like, oh, the room's a decent size. We've got enough cupboards that everything's away. We don't have luggage yeah. lying around or anything like that. Um, we've got a nice view. You know, we've got yeah. separate beds. That was kind of important. <laughs> we've got a bath and a shower. So I think that was actually a sense of relief. So it was a weird mix of feelings, I think. Yeah. It was kind of surreal, like you were playing yeah. a game. <sighs> Probably my big criticism would be the randomness of the accommodation I know Thailand does it you pay for what you want that would be and that was my concern coming in because you didn't know until the last bit at the airport where you were staying um and I I don't think I'm a snob it was more about <laughs> are we going to have enough space for two of us for 14 days this is a long time yes yeah you know, it's a really long time and some of those rooms are really tiny and now that we're in a room where there's natural light and a view I realise we are like a dog who spends a lot of time at the window <laughs> just watching. And we have one of the health hotels next to us. So we look down at, you know, ambulances arriving and leaving and going, uh, oh, I guess there'll be two more COVID cases tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> two people have just got in. So if we didn't have that, if you didn't have anything to look at, You'd go a bit nuts. I don't know what shape you'd be in after two weeks. So tell me what you've been doing. I've been seeing the craft work. There's been drawings of day one, day two, day three. Yeah. Um, I imagine there's been some series, television series consumed and a few movies. Yes. I'm working. I work most mornings. Right. Uh, so I work. My daughter does exercise. Um, she's doing her responsible service of alcohol. Oh, clever. Yes. While we're here. Yes. We've had all those admin things that we've had to do. Yes. You know, um, setting her up for uni or whatever. Um, what else have we been doing? Crosswords. Yeah. She's been teaching herself to crochet. I've been doing my year eight book work with my day seven <laughs> colouring pencils, making little plaques for each day. Um, the, they do bingo. The Melbourne quarantine system pays someone to do online bingo, so we did that on Facebook. Now, tell me, um, do you have people ringing you all the time to see how you are, as in the government? 
Yeah, we have, we're meant to get a call daily from a, a nurse to make sure we're okay, to make sure we don't have symptoms. Um, we, that hasn't happened on a couple of days, but there's two of us, so it's not a, you yeah. know, they, you know, are you coping okay, yeah. mental health type stuff. And then you have, so they're the nurses and then you have the government ring as well. They rang and wanted to know where we were going after quarantine for contact tracing. So, Nikki, you're going to know more about this than I am because really only my children have had to have COVID tests, so I was completely blind in this. Cassie, you've never had one. I have one. never, never had a COVID ever test. had to have a COVID test. Now, when did you have your COVID Ugh. test? I had my COVID test when my app went red and indicated to oh, me that I had been in close proximity to a COVID person. But my husband's had many COVID tests. And, yes. uh, of course, he was in the hospital for a while, so he had tests there. And then when he was going between uh, uh, Germany and uh, Denmark, he's had tests then as well when he was self-quarantining on his way up and back. So we've done that. And my daughter's also had a COVID test. So I've been uh, across many different COVID tests, and not every COVID tester is the same as the next COVID tester. I do have to agree there. <laughs> so <laughs> be interesting Kelly, to hear what sort of COVID testing they've got going here. Yeah, well, Kelly, that's exactly what I was going to say. Kelly explains now the difference between a Singapore test and an Aussie test. Singapore is the down down your nose to your brain, <gasps> to the very back of your sinuses. Like it's just one up in, up both nostrils, but it goes back. It's not that bad. It's, yeah. it's like eating wasabi. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was gentler here. I would say these ones were not as deep. Right. What's the first thing you're going to do when you get out? Get a hire car and drive for the first time. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, the first things we have to do is set my daughter up for university. So we've done a Kmart order. We have to go to Ikea. Yeah. Should take her to see her grandparents. <laughs> um, and is she going to stay like in residence or something like that? Or Yeah. 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 She's in a studio apartment in residence and her one of her closest friends in Singapore is in the same building. Fantastic. So, that wasn't planned. That's coincidence, but yeah, lovely. Yeah, really lovely for them. And, and then me. Kelly, how long until you get back to Australia? I don't know. Yeah, let's not talk about it. How long till we see her again? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, it's I awful, don't know. isn't it? I'm not in. I haven't thought about after. Nikki, uh, this is where I wanted to stop because I think. This is the thing that people are forgetting about and they're forgetting about Australian families being separated. Um, you know, tonight I went ahead because it's late Friday night for me. It's sort of went and had drinks with some people down the road, really great people, gorgeous, friendly, beautiful people that would do anything for anyone. And I was talking about Kelly saying, oh, I've just been having a chat with a friend of mine who's in quarantine and the reason we were talking about it was I was saying they were telling us how their dog had managed to sort of get across two yards and out the fence and they didn't even realise that the dog knew that there was a special bit of the fence that you could get through. And I said, yeah, but that's the thing when you're a dog is you spend all day just looking out the window or looking across the yard and you know everything about what everybody's doing and where they're going and where that spot is because that's all you've got to do. And I said, it's kind of like being in quarantine. I said, my friend Kelly said that she feels that every time they come to deliver the dinner or she hears someone going to do a COVID test, she's wagging her tail and running to the door to look through the people. Um, and we got talking and it, it became really clear that these people had um, not thought about it. Um, what it would be like to be in quarantine because they've they've they're not going to have to. Yeah, they're not going to have to. They don't have to. Yeah. So I I I just wish there was some way that people because I'm sure if people really knew Kelly, we have this conversation all the time, don't we? When when you say it, I say if you mention it, they're going to say, but I don't mean you. 
I mean, the other people. Yes. And I don't blame him if they say, yeah, I don't see why the tennis players are allowed to come in or I can't see why Chris Pratt's allowed to come in because I totally agree with them. I don't understand (laughs) that either. But I do feel that Australians returning home should be on that plane the minute that they need to and that we should all understand that there are certain reasons why and that that's fine. Um, Anyway, we were talking about the trolls and staying away from online news sites and we also talked about that, about having friends um, who say these things. You know, I had a friend recently who said, I don't know what your opinion is, Kirstie, but I just don't think we can be letting in any more people from overseas. (laughs) And I was like, oh. (laughs) And any more people, you mean any Turning Australians, yeah. Anyway, Kelly, ironically, works for an Australian university and she was talking to a colleague recently and she was telling me about something that he'd said to her. So, um, yeah, let's, let's go back to the interview. I did have, I was, before we left, Zooming with a colleague. He knows where I live. We've worked together for a number of years. And he said, well, they just need to stop the planes from landing. That'll stop it. And I was like, uh, have we met? <laughs> I, we had just discussed that I was bringing my daughter back. And he went quite red in the face. And yeah. I said, you know as well as I do that under the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights, you can't prevent citizens from you know, returning to their own country. <laughs> he just went quiet. <laughs> this is someone who's very educated. You know, yeah. he's a university lecturer. Yeah. Um, so I did speak up in that instance. I certainly wouldn't in news forums on Facebook, not that yeah. they're a problem as of today in Australia, <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, I just tend to dip out of those arguments because it's not worth my time. You, yes. can, you, know, you can have your opinion. You can have your opinion that we should all be landing on Christmas Island you don't actually understand that logistically that's not going to work because how do we get from Christmas? How do the planes get to Christmas Island? How does Chris, we get from Christmas Island to home? Yes. Um, so I just scroll past generally. It's, it's hurtful though. I find it hurtful. Mm. That, and I think it's interesting to be considered not welcome in your own country. Um, I know my daughter has cried at before we came home about it she was worried that people are going to hate her um you know and we talked about generally people won't say it to your face anyway (laughs) and I think the word you've used hurtful is brilliant because that's that's it you're not it's not like you're so angry it's just oh why would you say that about me yeah Mm. and that you know you, you should have been home and you're like but our life was there I had a child in year 12. We, we yeah. can just pack up. We have a lease. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. We have a lease and the kids, you know. Yeah. So you just got to roll it off as much as you can and block it out, which I think would, again, would be harder for people who have lost jobs and are in terrible situations overseas and they can't get home. That That's the real, the real thing that struck me with Kelly was she remembering that she's coming home in comfort Um where economically they're still okay. What about all those poor people that have lost their jobs and have, you know, cancelled the lease on their apartments and homes, taking kids out of school? You know, um, Kelly was telling me about um, trying to get, you know, a better room and how the people next to her, there was a woman who looked, who I think she said she was 35 weeks pregnant and they had a toddler. Yeah, (laughs) and... I was thinking, wow, I wonder what their situation is that's brought them home at, you know, so close to the due date and whatever. Yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, there's so many people that are losing their jobs. And I I, I keep thinking, Nikki, right at the beginning of this, that the family that that we saw where they were a family of five and they were sleeping on the airport floor and it cost them about $60,000 to get back to Australia. It's just wrong. Yeah, it, it's it's very it's very very difficult, and I and and I, my heart just goes out to anyone trying to get home because I just I feel really strongly about it, as you know, and I would want if I needed to get on a plane, I would want to be able to get on a plane and go, but I think that we don't go now because we don't have to. 
but the, the, yeah, but I just but the hurtful and the, imagine having to worry about your daughter worrying about if anyone was going to give her a hard time about coming from another country to go to university when she's Australian. Oh. I mean, and then you can can you just then imagine extrapolate that to actually the overseas university students who have been educated in Australia for a long time, have coming out, contributing to our economy, uh, you know, the whole process and then getting a hard time because, oh, you you brought the COVID in, you know, whatever. Like I just, mm. it's just such difficult times and I just, yeah. Can it be over now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Kelly's last, I, I did ask her after we'd finished talking about if there was any advice and she just said that... Um, she would she wanted to say that just to know that the process at the airport is very friendly and caring which is lovely to know because obviously you know you some you fly into australia and one of the best things is some bloke with a broad australian accent says welcome back you aussies you know and it's lovely and she said it is like that they're just all wearing ppp and the <laughs> army might be there carrying guns but <laughs> i joke i joke um but she said that did make it uh, far more comfortable and reassuring and she said she was just really anxious on land on landing about what what that process was going to be like but it was fun and it was light-hearted and there were lots of jokes and it felt very comfortable but she said that experience with the hotel it is totally luck of the draw there's not much you can do yeah I know some people that have had some some more traumatic or more challenging yes. experiences for the yes. two weeks. Okay, Nikki, so we're left with our one fat expat question to ask. Uh, do you want to kick off? Sure, Kirsty. I want to know how do you keep your lists for moving? So we all know that there's lists and different people keep them in different ways. Do you keep it on the phone, on the wall, on a whiteboard, a series of post-its, on a checklist that you just can see? I've decided I'm in a WhatsApp group here and three of the four of us are leaving this year and over summer. And so I'm, and the other, one of the others in the group left last summer. So, and the and two of them are the most organized people I've ever met in my life. So I'm so interested <laughs> in obviously. The pressure. Yeah. yeah I'm like, it, this, I said, I said, I think I'm going to use this today in the podcast. She said, oh no, it's just how everybody moves internationally. I said, you'd be surprised. You'd be very surprised. <laughs> but what my friend Fiona does is she put, takes a sheet of cellophane and she said, you know, just the kind you used to wrap flowers or whatever, just plain cellophane and she hangs it on a wall and then she writes on it and she has a to do and then she in the big to do column she puts all different post-it notes and so she has all the post-it notes for the to do and then she has uh and this week so anything she wants to do this week she or today she puts into moves them over it's like a project plan and then she has another little yeah. section where to sell or give away so she has has a post-it note for everything they want to sell or get rid of and then she'll have you know today and then completed and then notes and it's the most amazing thing ever like i just looked and i thought that's really sensible like usually i'm writing things on my phone or on a piece of paper but this yeah. way what the thing about this for me is that everybody can see what's going on so now you've got children who are adult you know tween teens whatever <gasps> your husband your partner everybody can see how much there is to do and how oh, that's when you brilliant lose your your yourself a little bit when someone asks you a question <laughs> you snap back and they say what's wrong with you and you're like i've just got all these things to do and they say i don't know what it, you, you just call the removalist and that's it it just gives everybody and so i've asked them i said now do you put this somewhere like in a hiding away and she said no right in the big room where everyone can see it and that oh, she's now it. at the stage where she's got one child who left school last year one doing this year and then her her husband has finished his job he's starting a new company but he's not as busy as he was she said so now everyone can contribute and then people can do things they want to do things they can do and things they like doing so it's yes. not it's not a matter of I'm going to allocate you this task. It's a matter of here's lots of things to do. If you can choose one to do this week, that'd be awesome because then we just get it out of the way. So I've asked I love question. That. I love <laughs> but that. 
I thought it was so good. I wanted to share it. So I found yes. a way to share it. <laughs> so, and you've got a photo here that I can see that we'll share as well in the, when we write the post on the twofatexpats.com um, and we'll share in the Facebook group as well because it's very clever and it does look very project-like. Um, I want to know, so when you've completed one of the tasks, though, do you just, don't you just scrunch up the post at night and throw it in the bin? You do, but I think for the day and the week, it just gets moved to the complete column. So you've got a sense of achievement. Ah, got it. Then when that's done, you can just like complete is good to have, but mm -hmm. you know, maybe complete with follow up, it needs to move to the notes section. So you don't want to make a new post it note because we don't yeah. want to be wasting paper. Yeah. So there's all sorts of ways for it to recycle through the process. But yes. The complete, you could not have a complete, that's right, you could just tear it down. But I think you'd have to stick it there to feel good about yourself for a little while, wouldn't you? It appeals to me as someone who loves to visually see things and not have things tucked away in, you know, those virtual systems. And I I yes. could not agree with you more on everybody being able to see how much needs to be done and how much work yes. there is. Nikki, I have a question for you. I would like to know, what is the perfect expat profession? I was thinking about this week thinking, you know, we always have people that come onto the Two Fat Expats Facebook group and I reckon once a week someone will ask, <laughs> so what do you guys all do? How did you all get to do this? You know, and I thought, well, and, and I'm always amazed by how kind people are <laughs> and are open and willing to tell them exactly what they do. And there are many different things from banking to uh, mining to shipping to everything. I mean, really, now there's sort of there's not much you can't do when you're doing it over the other side of the world. But I was thinking, well, what is the perfect expat profession if someone thought, right, well, that's what I want to do, what should I, what should I do? So my thoughts were you want to have something where you make enough money that you can actually support your travel. That is when we are all travelling again one day. Obviously not <laughs> yeah. now. It doesn't matter so much. But there is no point, you know, Kelly said to me when we were doing the interview earlier about being in Singapore, you know, it's, it's very hard if you're in a hub like Singapore and suddenly you can't travel. It kind of takes away the shine of being in the hub if there's nowhere you can go. But I, I also think you want to have a profession where you can actually join in with the local culture. I think for me that is the big one because what's the point of going somewhere if you're not going to meet anyone who's local or hang out with anyone who's local? And in some countries, you know, what's the point of going if you're not going to be able to live with other people who are local? You know, I remember going to Libya and there was a compound that was an expat compound that was miles away from everything and they wouldn't have, you know, people could have lived there for six months and never seen a, a local Libyan, do you know. We were very lucky that we got to not live on that compound and live on the street. So we got to see all of the, you know, the vegetable truck that came by every day and and witness sort of the daily life of Libya. Um, I was thinking now maybe something ethical because you've got to go to sleep at night. Um <laughs> and that maybe you're really thinking about that with your children who might come back later and say things, you know, oh, you have a husband who works in shipping and I have a husband who um, he, he works with a product that gets shipped to places and um, our children are very clear on um, what the shipping industry is doing. Yeah. Uh, well, you say that, Kirstie, but I can give you all sorts of statistics about uh, <laughs> carbon capture in the shipping industry because they float around our house all the time. In fact, just this morning I was hearing about a shipping neutral, carbon neutral ship that's going to be here any day. I reckon that conversation would be very much like the conversation in our house about the, the beauty of natural gas. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess also you want to be somewhere safe, although if you're into excitement, maybe don't go somewhere safe. Go somewhere really unsafe and you'll be you'll have a fabulous time. Uh, do you need somewhere exotic? And 
I don't know, Nikki. I was thinking, I mean, what I would do now if I could do anything now is I would love to be a data scientist. And I really think that data science is fascinating we, and we is something that we desperately need now for someone to find their way through all the mulch of all that information and actually give us the facts. I loved it. There was a segment on the television the other night where they were talking about a certain politician, an Australian politician who was posting on Facebook and really how dangerous was he with his thoughts on anti-vax and whatever. A data scientist comes in and tells you exactly how many people, exactly what time he's posting, exactly what's going on and gets rid of all the speculation. Anyway, I digress, but I was thinking, well, what what would be now in your mind, Nikki, perfect expat? Yeah, I, I don't know because I, I, I see all the things you're saying. I think that more when we started our expat life, we already we start, we were already a family. And so that's a very different start to when you're starting by yourself and mm. you're a single person with no um, no dependence, and I don't mean dependent in a in a financially draining way. I just mean a dependent in a thinking way. Is that you have to think about everyone who you're taking with you to do it yourself is different. So, yeah, I think any job is an expat profession these days because there are so many things you can do in different countries. And until very recently, the world was highly globally mobile, and you know. Um, job skills were just another part of that global mobility and and if you had the right job it it, it, right skills for the right job in the right location you could go there so I think all the things that you've talked about are are really important but I also think yeah I just think it depends on if you it's a more you're talking in a perfect world and that's if you're starting again or just starting out and so yes if you're more sort of part way through it or you have dependents or you know there's you need to dual career path there are different things that come in and sort of weigh around the edges of that that you have to sort of have extra extra thought about but yeah so where would you go Kirsty? to do your data science oh well if i was already if i was already a data scientist i'd, I'd be hitting the hot spots you know i'd be i'd be new york london hong kong <laughs> i'd be i'd be being fabulous right okay but really that's crazy because the places i have really enjoyed have been the ones that are a little bit more exotic and a little bit more dangerous yes. and i think yeah. if i was going to the exotic and the dangerous i would choose to be a teacher with something that I feel really passionate about like teach something that you really truly believe in because I think teachers yeah there's always expat teachers all around the world and they do you know they get the great holidays as well and you know they usually get the housing and um the rest of it and that they have a really good community I think being a teacher in the expat world would be fun I always think if you're a hairdresser that can do blonde highlights you'll get a job anywhere <laughs> right <laughs> yeah um, on highlights what about you Nikki what yeah. are you going to do in your next expat life in your perfect expat profession in my perfect profession I don't I think I'm going to be on a beach somewhere and just fly in and out of where I need to go I, no I hear you all I hear you no travel and that's bad for the well, what is your job though it's, it's a perfect world well I don't know what my job is I'm just telling you I'm just thinking about well, my job my job question. comes after my my beach requirements I understand that's the question I like data stuff I, I like no I think that that's right I just the marketing I don't know, not marketing, but just, I don't know, it's something, I still need to know what I want to be when I grow up. But I just, I I think things with relationships, building relationships between people, I think that that's where my skill set is. And so I need someone in HR to call me and tell me what job I need to have with that. Okay. Just bringing people together. I love to put people at a table and just say, you guys should talk. And then something beautiful You are good at that. You are good at that. Okay, Nikki, your bold (laughs) statement of the week. Last week, your bold Mm. statement was you were going to write your presentation for the conference and you were going to lodge all your passport and visa requirements how did you go okay so passport lodged 
I was saved from the brink of passport catastrophe again by the amazing consular staff in Berlin. And I want to give them a shout out uh, because dramatic uh, visa. We're still working on. So I have to carry that forward. So this week I'm just and I have written my presentation, but I haven't recorded it, which is a separate thing it needs to be done to be sent. So I just want to live through the next week. Keep everybody in my household alive. That's my bold statement <laughs> and tie up the loose end. So live through the next week. Keep everybody alive. That's it. <laughs> okay. So I managed to do my week of no booze and I did do my apple cider vinegar every day. I now have the opposite problem. I think I might be drinking too much apple cider vinegar. I reckon I nearly did half a bottle this week. So we might just oh, have to dear. steady That's down on that. Um, on Monday, Nikki, I start my study into my wine course. And so it's a full day course. It goes for four weeks and I start next Monday. So I am vowing my bold statement of the week will be that I'm going to do three hours of study um, next week on wine and wine appreciation and learning all about wine. So I will come back and report to you. But I'm I'm going back to school, Nikki. While not drinking it's it. All, yes, while not drinking it or having to spit it out. Um. So part of my reason for wanting to do this is I'd love to know how to write more about wine. So I was very happy to see there's a lot of learning how to explain wine and talk about wine. So I should become a complete wine wanker by Tuesday afternoon. Perfect. Oh, well, I'm, that's to become a wine wanker. I'm very, very, very excited about that, Kirsty. Okay, let's move on to our three favourite things. Okay, so I finally got around to watching The Undoing. Mm. Um, have you seen it? Yes, I recommended it on this very podcast. <laughs> Did you? Now, now we can talk about it because I wasn't yes. sure. I look. I feel. I felt. I'll be full disclosure. I always felt a bit funny about watching The Undoing because my dad was watching The Undoing when he was really, really sick, and. I mean, it's almost kind of funny. It's a six-part series. He got to episode five and it was oh. annoying the hell out of him because <laughs> he just, yeah, he was like in the in the sort of last days. Anyway, um, Nikki, I can't remember everything you said about it, so I don't know if we feel the same about it. I, I hadn't watched it all. I, yeah, okay, so you tell me. Okay, so I love movies that are set in New York because New York is so pretty and lovely and this was yeah. so grey and so dark and so miserable, right? So it, I kind of kept thinking, oh, I really mm. hope we get to a, a point in time in this series where it's summer because everybody seemed to be, you know, in that dreary, snowy, But isn't icy. the point Nicole Kidman's coats? Isn't yes. that the point of the whole series? She really has a very unique wardrobe, doesn't she? Um, I was so distracted by Nicole Kidman's face. You too? Well, no, I, I'm used to her. She's at, what, 52, 53? Yeah. 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 But there are a lot of women in Hollywood who are that age who look like that. Yeah. You know, and that's that's the thing. Like you can say that she's made those decisions, but she's made those decision, decisions under the pressure of the environment that she's involved in and you know I know all of that I know all of that I know that she has to do that I think I think the bottom line is I I I, I quite liked it and yeah sadly I did just get really distracted because I think she's an Australian woman of my age that I just kept looking at her going but how you know I wanted to I became fascinated with the mechanics of how they make her face look like that of you know how where do they inject it where do they put it to make it <laughs> I don't even think I about it no but that's totally <laughs> did I wanted to know the logistics of well how do they do how does she have a chin that has zero you know it's so beautifully sculptured yeah. Oh, and I feel really bad. I know that's really bad and I shouldn't say it, but I think, yeah, I distracted. I don't know. Maybe if more people stood up and said, I'm finding this really distracting, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't have enough time. Um, I thought it was good. I thought it was, I guess I devoured it in three days, didn't I? So it can't have been that bad. But 
it wouldn't be my most, most favourite of things. Um, okay, what was my most favourite was the circus post-election. I'm sure you've watched it, Nikki, because it was you that got me onto the circus. Uh, they go and do January and February sort of kicking off with the siege on Capitol Hill. Amazing filming, good behind the scenes, great coverage, excellent interviews, Absolutely loved it. I really am glad that you put me onto the circus. And my other thing that I've discovered this week is, and I think her name must be Amy, A-M-I-I, James. She's on Insta. You can find her on Facebook. You can get her on Etsy. I saw her through the Two Fat Expats Facebook group. Um, she calls herself embarrassingly minimalistic humour. It's basically little black and white cartoons. The thing that someone posted on the Facebook group, which I thought was absolutely lovely, was all the good things that had come out of 2020, you know, things that we should concentrate that were good. Joe Biden put the first rescue dog in the White House, that there were so many German army bases that have now been turned into parks, that the elephant population has doubled in Kenya, like really positive things. You go, oh. The ozone hole over Antarctica closed. closed. It was so good. But she also does some really sharp, witty cartoons as well to the point that I am going to order a couple to have them framed to put in the house because I just... Yeah, clever, really clever. There's one, and I will butcher it, but there is one of a bird and a worm sitting over breakfast, except the worm's got like a bowl of cereal or a bowl of pasta or something, and the bird's just standing there staring at the worm, and the bird says, so what are you having for breakfast? And the bird just stands there and stares at the worm, and the worm just goes, oh. (laughs) It's really cute. I think she's really clever. I really, really liked her. So, yeah, they're my three favourite things. What about you? Well, we talked earlier, Ray, back at the beginning, for everyone that can remember, of this podcast about the ABC News, so the Australian Broadcasting Commission, which is Australia's government-based media outlet. And I belong to a WhatsApp group here. I've talked about all my WhatsApp groups uh, of international women where we discuss politics. And it's usually US politics. And so, uh, you know, and there's a lot of US women in it. Now, yesterday, they said, hey, Nikki, what's going on in Australia with the whole Facebook thing? You know, and can you recommend some podcasts or something for us to to make ourselves more educated on the subject? So I went to a favourite, and I realise it's a favourite. It pops up on my feed every day. I don't always listen to it, but it, I listened to it yesterday, and gosh, it was good, and it just really makes me think I need to listen to every day. It's called The Signal. It's a daily ABC news podcast, and yesterday it was called Facebook versus Australia. So it was... It was and it was just really bro- broke down in just very simple terms, you know, what what the situation was, what was happening and covered some of the, the more difficult stuff that happened, which, you know, was taking down the, the, you know, the public interest pages and whatever, the overreach that they had in the, in the first takedown that they seem to be restoring at the moment. So it, that was very interesting. And then after that, I sort of went down a few more rabbit holes. You said to me, have you watched Q&A? And I said, no, usually Facebook tells me when it's live. So I click <laughs> in. And then I went and, and watched the Q&A episode and shared it. And then I seen that two other two people that I shared it with in the group have shared it from Twitter onto their Facebook feed saying this is a really good thing to watch about the um, Australia and mm. the media and Facebook. So I just mm. want to flag that The Signal is a great podcast and it's also, if you want to listen to yesterday's episode, it also gives you a bit of an overview about what's going on there. The mm. other thing that the reason I... I remember that I did the undoing was I went back to see all the things I was thinking, I feel I've talked about this next thing before, but maybe I haven't, but I couldn't find it. The flight attendant. Kirsty, have I talked to you about it? I don't think so. No. Okay. So the flight attendant starling stars Kaylee Cuoco from the Big Bang Theory. Well, and maybe you have. It's, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if I haven't talked about it, okay, maybe I have, maybe I haven't, but anyway, I'm, I'm, 
I just was going through because this week I really haven't had a lot of time to have three favorite things. So I just wanted to have something mm. that I that I binged over the holiday season. And this was something I binged over the holiday season. It just starts with the typical flight flight attendant tropes. You know, a woman lands in a city, goes home with a guy, except when she wakes up, he's dead. And the rest of the series is about how that plays out. It's a, it's a, it's just a, a feel good recommend. Uh, and as I said, this week has been just like a dog paddling, duck, whatever I'm doing. So I've only got two favorite things for this week. So hopefully I can be excused and come back next week with three. Absolutely. And I don't think there's anyone that doesn't understand that trying to move, trying to get through uh, Sun's IB and trying to hold down a job all at once are probably enough. Yeah. Okay. So remember that if you have an anonymous question, so this, uh, our first two episodes of this season have been a question that someone has sent to us. You can send us an email at twofatexpats at gmail.com or DM Kirsty or I on Facebook and tell us your anonymous question and we can help you solve it. So we'd love to hear from you. Yes. And um, I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye-bye.